Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds, videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for smart, successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach, and today I'll be joined by a guest to give you an inside look at the work I do with my clients. This is your opportunity to learn through someone else's experience. They may even ask a question you have or one you haven't even thought of yet. So keep an open mind, open heart, and let's dive in. Hello and welcome to episode number 197 of the Love Life Connection podcast. I'm really excited to be connecting with you today and we've got a really important episode where I really outline how inner child work can work. I know a lot of times it sounds really good and like okay Veronica, cool, cool, cool. Yep, yep, but um how does it work? How do I actually apply it? How do I actually shift my inner child? Well, that's a lot of what I do with my caller today on the show. But before we get there, the time that this episode airs is right before the holidays and I know that this can be a really wonderful time of year. I know it can also be a really challenging time of year. I know that when I was single, this was just a really hard time. I was just really triggered by all of the feel-good Christmas movies. I was often triggered by, you know, wanting to stay home and be cozy and drink hot cocoa and sometimes not having anyone to do that with and that just felt really really triggering, really difficult time in my life. And also it just brought up emotions around exes. It brought up around well-meaning yet harmful comments like when are you going to bring someone home Veronica and you know what? if you can relate to this i want you to know that you are not alone you don't have to go through this alone and you have someone in your life to reach out to and it can be a friend it can be just sending me a dm on instagram if you want i always respond there's somebody in your life that i want you to just share what you're going through share how you feel and this person may also be single and be able to relate and this person may not be single but also might be able to relate because a lot of times the holidays can be triggering for anyone no matter their relationship status And if you're like Veronica, I don't know what you're talking about. Holly season's awesome, then feel free to ignore this whole thing. 
One thing that I often tell myself when I am going through a really difficult time in my life or when it's just so apparent to me that what I want feels so far away and I don't know how to get what I want and I have the desire to want to try to control all the things and pull all the strings, I often tell myself this mantra. I'll say, what is for me cannot pass me. What is for me cannot pass me. And that helps me to just soften a little bit because the truth is, is that I don't have control over everything and neither do you. You can't control how someone feels about you or doesn't feel about you. You can't control how someone is going to treat you. You can't control ultimately someone's beliefs, opinions, actions, or lack of actions. But you can control who you allow into your life. You can control how you feel about you. You can control your own emotions, your own vibration, enforcing your boundaries or not. The more you try to control the things that you can't ultimately control, you're going to be a lot more miserable. And you ultimately have to ask yourself, why am I controlling the things that I can't control? Is it some sort of almost addictive quality? Is it a belief that we can control those things? What is it? Now, the answer might vary, but the more you can bring your attention away from that and more into you, which is something that you can control, you're going to have a lot easier time of finding calm, relaxation, peace, joy, contentment, even happiness. And for me, the mantra, what is for me cannot pass me, really helps me to release control because I can do what I can do. I can show up. I can ask for what I need. I can go out to that event to meet new friends, or I can ask for what I need from CV, or I can show up and give the best introductory coaching call to a potential client. But ultimately, that's how much I can control. Everything else is up to the other person, whether or not they are going to be a client or whether or not Stevie's going to follow through with the thing I want him to do or whether or not that person wants to be my friend or whatever it is. And so when I can remind myself what is for me cannot pass me, helps me to really land into this place that everyone and everything that comes into my life is of divine timing. It's a divine appointment. And so by trying to control the things that do or do not come into my life, I'm trying to almost act like God. And I'm not God and neither are you. We are, yes, divine beings, but we're having a human experience. So I hope this is helpful, whether it helps you pull you through the holiday season or there's something else going on in your life. What is for you cannot pass you. What is for you cannot pass you. And I so deeply believe that. I actually have what is for me cannot pass me on my computer on a little post-it. And it really, really helps me just to remember that mantra on a daily basis or when I'm feeling triggered. So feel free to put it on a lock screen or a sticky or wherever feels good for you to help remind you if the mantra resonates. Okay, so back to today's episode, we're going to dive right into the show. I don't want to give too much away because I'm going to break down a lot of it after the coaching call. So make sure you listen to that, especially if you want to get some really concrete steps on how to figure out your pattern, why you were in the last relationship you were and what you can do to try to prevent another kind of situationship like that from happening again in the future. So without further ado, let's go to my coaching call with Julie. Hi, Julie. Welcome to the show. How can I help you today? Hi, Veronica. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts and it's helped me so much in my marriage separation. So I just thank you so much. But the one thing that worries me a little bit is 
I've always been a people pleaser and you've given me a lot of tools to help me change that and be your full self-worth and self-love. But because that's just a habit of mine, I really want my next relationship to be 50-50. So have you got any tips? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's back up to the people pleaser a bit. So what have you learned about being a people pleaser? Do you know where it comes from? Yeah, from my childhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I've done it for my whole life and then I've just taken it on to, through to my marriage. Yeah, it's just always fitting in as a child and I just had to go with the flow and do what I was told and everything like that. And to get recognition, I would do things just so I would feel accepted. And then, yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. I think that's been the major thing and it's has shone out so much since I've been going through the marriage separation and going through all this growth that how I have felt empty inside. So doing all these things for people have filled that hole up, but it hasn't really let me know who I am. Yeah. How did you know when you were younger that you had to, you know, do things to fit in, do things to please in order to get attention, get love, get acceptance? What experiences led you to believe that? My parents went into a service station when I was six weeks old, a 24-hour service station. So my mum worked that for three years whilst so that was my first three years of life. And I just was just, you know, I just had to sort of survive and I used to, yeah, just had to be noticed, I think. So rather than be a naughty little girl, I used to do things to be helpful, I guess. I, I can remember like lying in my cot just waiting for someone to come and take notice of me and things like that. So, yeah. So I haven't been a rebellious child. It's just that I've gone to know that, yeah, if I'm a nice child, then I get noticed because that's a good Julie. I'm a good Julie. So then I get recognition for that. Have you connected with good Julie, with little Julie? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've done a lot of work. But, you know, I feel like I have and I feel like I... It's really getting me in my heart sharper as I talk about it. Yeah, I feel like I have, but I'm not sure if there's any more that needs to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, well, what would you want to tell little Julie, the little girl who just was waiting for that attention and waiting for that approval? <sighs> that I am loved, that I am loved. And my mum, I'm going to cry, even like yesterday actually, said I love you. And she never, ever, ever does that. So... That was a big thing to hear that. My father's never told me he loves me. I know he does in his own way, but, yeah. But for my mum to actually say that was a big thing. It was like, wow, what was that? Yeah. Yeah. That is a big deal. That is a big thing. Mm. Mm. It's not enough to know logically that our parents love us. It's important to know, like, on a deeper level, and that deeper level is that inner child piece. Mm. Yeah. I tell my kids all the time um, that I love them, but, you know, what you don't get in your life, you always want to better in your, in your, you know, when you're a mother. So, yeah, I'm certainly a better person because of that. Yeah. So, I mean, you listen to the show, so you know that connecting with your inner child, ideally on like a daily basis, is crucial for filling this void yourself. So I know you came onto this call, you're like, I want some tips so I don't fall into a a 90-10 kind of relationship again, you want it to feel 50-50 and like, look, we can talk about the tips and, you know, I do want you to walk away with some real tools and strategies, but we have to understand 
where the pattern comes from, why it happens so that you can heal it like the core of it. Cause otherwise it's just like going to the doctor and you're like, Hey doctor, I have cancer. Can you help me cure it? And it's like, they're just helping you with the headaches or like the physical pain that a tumor might create rather than like actually getting rid of the tumor. I know that was like a morbid example, but like you get what I'm saying. So when it comes to your inner child, like what did she ultimately want? What did she need? She just wanted to be noticed. She just wanted to be heard. She just wanted to be validated. She just wanted to be made important to understand that, yeah, she has needs. Yeah. I feel like my whole childhood, my parents never really truly had me because they wanted to have a baby. It's just that it happened. I'm the third child. I was the cheeky child and I knew to be cheeky to get noticed, like not cheeky as in naughty cheeky but just funny cheeky and that's how I got noticed, yeah. You said you have children now? Yeah, yeah. How do you give them? Great. How do you give them love and attention and affection? I'm present. I'm present in the conversation. I'm present where they are. Yeah, I'm very connected and present and I'm not like doing a million things when they're talking to me or, yeah. I love that. Yeah, Yeah, and I feel like that doesn't happen with my parents. I feel like they just, and also my husband, you know, when, or my husband, when we're talking, it's like they're not even really present in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm not being heard. Yeah. Well, first, I just want to acknowledge you because you're breaking the pattern. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you're not just repeating what you know or what feels familiar to you, you know, with your children. You're being present. You're giving them love. You're showing them love. So I just want to acknowledge you for that because that's big. A lot of times we just repeat the way our parents raise us because we just don't know anything different. It's not even about knowing anything better. It's just we don't know anything different. Yeah. Right? And on a soul level, like you figure that out. You figure this is not how I want to be. It's not the kind of mom I want to be. And so now that you you know how to do it, you've done this with your children. And before you can ever want someone else to be this for you, you have to be that for yourself too. So how are you showing up for yourself? How are you being present with yourself? Well, I started dating myself. Okay, great. (laughs) Tell me more. So so that's been excellent. I've been allowing myself to go to yoga. And I went last night out for dinner with a friend, a girlfriend, and normally I would not do any of that. So, And just the other morning I woke up and took Maxie and the dog and I to the beach for a swim you know, I'd be thinking about all the other things I should be doing, but it's like, no, I want to, yeah. So thank you for the tips about dating myself. That's me. <laughs> and how are you showing up for yourself emotionally? I'm doing a lot of journaling. Great. A lot Great. of journaling, a lot of meditating, a lot of affirmations. I think one of the most powerful things we can do for ourselves is just to hold space for however we're feeling. So a lot of times I see, you know, if someone's feeling really anxious or feeling guilty or feeling angry or just whatever the quote unquote negative feeling is, they don't want to feel, then they'll be like, oh, I don't want to feel this way. And then it's kind of like recycles the feeling. But if you can actually just create space for it and let yourself feel it, feel it where it is in your body and just, you know, breathe into that place, you know, journal on it, write a letter to that part of you that feels that way, whatever. I think that can do wonders. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I have been doing so many different emotions have been coming up and I feel like I have been Sometimes it might take me five days to actually go, oh, why did not I 
you know, be present to that and actually write about that and be aware of it. I might have been in a spin and uh, like spiraling down, but then it's like finally I slap myself in the face and go, oh, why did you mm. let that happen? So I'd been feeling it too long, you know what I mean? I should have been facing it and writing about it and acknowledging it rather than emotionally eating it. And, yeah, right, like right. Well, you got to give yourself grace. That's part of holding the space. Yeah. So are you currently dating right now? No. no okay. No, no, no. So where does the fear come around getting into another relationship like with your ex-husband? Because I feel like I make things happen. So if I feel like things aren't going, I don't know, if things aren't right, I will just make it happen if you get what I mean. Like I knew our marriage hadn't been, I knew that I was doing more and more in the marriage, but I married because, you know, you're going to be married and you don't want to break up for your children and everything like that. So I just probably numb myself and I just made it sort of happen. Um, Now I look back at it and I just think that I shouldn't have just been so controlling, not controlling of my husband, but controlling of the situation. Mm -hmm. Can you see that it wasn't really just about you just making things happen? Because I know you're probably really good at making things happen, right? Like most of my listeners are type A, goal-oriented, can knock a to-do list out of the park, like no problem, right? But can you see how it was actually like the three-year-old self calling the shots in this marriage? I hadn't really. I had not really till like now that you're saying this. I hadn't thought. I knew it was childhood stuff about me not being feeling validated and being wanted and being heard, but I still, yeah. So my guess is that your husband on some level reminds you a lot of either your mom or your dad. or My dad, yeah. I married my dad. Okay, okay, great. So that's super cool. I know you hear that. Yeah, it's super common because there are traits or characteristics about the person that just feels familiar. And it's very easy to confuse that familiarity with love because it feels comfortable, right? Mm. And so that can be what created the attraction in the relationship in the first place. And then because of those characteristics that seemed familiar, the old patterns come out, right? Like Mm. when you were three years old or however old, like your childhood, you learned that you needed to basically perform to feel mm. good, to feel loved. But you also know that it's, it's just like a bottomless pit. Yeah. We're actually going to fill you up unless you actually get the love safe, the real love, safety and belonging from your parents. Yeah. And they yeah. just weren't available in the way that you needed them to be. Right. No. no. And so you go out as an adult looking for that. Yeah. Yeah. And you found something that felt familiar, felt like love but it was playing out that same pattern of not quite feeling good enough, not quite feeling loved, not quite getting the attention and love you wanted. And so you learn to perform. You're like, all right, I'll just take care of the marriage, take care of the kids, take care of the house. Like whatever the things that you took on as your own was basically like your three-year-old self saying, well, I'm just going to take care of everything so that mom and dad give me attention. So that my dad will finally say, I love you. Yeah. So do I have to journal to that three-year-old? Yeah. I mean, I would connect with her every day. It doesn't have to necessarily be journaling every day, depending on you know, how much time you have, but at least like connecting with her for a moment or two or a minute or two every day, I think can go a really long way. But I do recommend taking some time to sit down and write her a letter or sit and talk out loud to her. And what I like to do, um, it's called the empty chair process where you sit in one chair 
there's an empty chair in front of you and you're talking to your inner three-year-old and then, you know, then you go to the three-year-old's chair and then talk back to your current day self and you just have a dialogue, you have a conversation and you tell her what you wanted her to know, what she needed to hear, what she didn't get at the time. And it's also an opportunity to let your three-year-old self like have her space and express what she needed and what she wanted and how she felt. And the more you can heal the initial place of where the wounding started, the less likely you are to play out old patterns. So the less likely you are to attract someone else who's going to be kind of aloof or not affectionate or not loving. Mm. And the less likely you're going to be to play by old habits because you're like, hold up, I've been here before. Like, like building awareness is really powerful because then you can kind of catch yourself going through the actions and you're like, wait a second. Like, I'm like telling this guy, I'm going to go buy him a, I don't know, a suit for him because I want him to love me. He can go buy his own damn suit. You know, he's a grown ass man. Right. Yeah. A lot of the, well, obviously not with the suit buying thing, but a lot of those things happening then I go, Oh, you know, yeah. It's a bit like you can't unlearn what you've learned. So because I have been learning lots, I think, Oh goodness. I just used to do that. And I'm so aware it stands out so much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I see, yeah. Yeah. So I'd also practice self-forgiveness, okay. you know, forgiving yourself for playing this pattern, forgiving yourself for buying into the misunderstanding that you're not good enough because otherwise it is so easy when you do this work to look back at your past relationships or the things you've done and just be like, what a dumbass I was or whatever the word you might say or call yourself. And it's just not fair to you. You didn't know what you knew and now you know more. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That, that's great. Good. And then just last thing, when you're actually in the moment, like when you, when you do start dating again, or even when you're navigating separation from your husband, more than likely you'll feel triggered. Cause again, it'll be that, that old, like yearning, that old pattern will come up. And that doesn't mean that all the work you've done is for nothing. It doesn't mean you haven't grown. It just means, okay, this old thing, it's a really old thing. It's deep. So it's going to come up. And it's an opportunity in that moment to connect with the inner child and just tell her, it's okay, you've got this. This is not your parents' house anymore. You don't have to play by those old rules. You needed to do that when you were three years old, fine, but you're not three years old anymore. You can play by new rules. And then you can consciously from that place create a new action that will definitely feel uncomfortable, will definitely probably be outside your comfort zone. But over time, your comfort zone will grow. So again, let's say like the comfort zone is, I don't know, you'll take the papers over to your husband so he can sign or something because he's too lazy to go downtown to sign them himself, right? That might be the comfortable thing. And you can just say, hey, I actually don't have time for that. So you need to go downtown and sign the papers yourself. And that's when you feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, It's growing pains for everyone, not just you, but the other people in your life who are used to you just being a pleaser. Yeah, you have to yeah no, I'm, I'm certainly hearing you there. I've had those triggers. I definitely have, and I am pulling myself up, but I'm not bringing it back to yeah, the three-year-old and actually having that conversation, saying, you know, it's okay, yeah, things like that. So yeah. thank you for that. It's powerful. My pleasure. Good, good. I'm glad this is helpful. One thing that I like to ask myself or have clients ask themselves is, how old am I acting? Just kind of check in. <laughs> Okay. Just check in. Like, you know, how old am I acting? Am I acting, you know, like my present day, current day self, or am I acting like my three year old self or my 10 year old self? And just to check in. Yeah. 
You're not right or wrong. It's not an opportunity to beat yourself up. It's like, all right, I think I'm acting like my three-year-old self. And then you've got your tools that you can use if you find that to be the case. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I haven't, I have done a lot of, you know, childhood stuff, but yeah, I haven't, I seem to like, oh, well, I think I've done that and then move on. I'm not, wasn't aware to do it, you know, every day, so to speak, or, you know, a moment here and a moment there. It doesn't mean that you have to allocate a half an hour of journaling time to be able to do it. It just can be that conversation with that inner child, which could take 30 seconds or whatever like that. Yeah. 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 I think it's great to have, you know, the longer term, like things you actually sit down and do, but then also have the tools that you can use every day. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Good. Was this helpful? Thank you. Oh, it's brilliant. Thank you very much, Veronica. Your podcasts have been so helpful to me. And um, I know that I need to work on all this before I can even think about dating. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear. So I just want to make sure you're leaving with some clear action steps. So tell me a couple action steps you're going to do as a result of our call together. Well, I'm going to talk to my inner child every day or throughout the day, especially when I see a pattern or I have a trigger. I'm actually going to make time to have that conversation sitting opposite three-year-old and then backwards and forwards and have that conversation. Plus, I'm also going to write to that three-year-old. So that'll be, I always find writing is very amazing of what comes out that you think, oh, goodness, I didn't even know that that was, yeah, that was there. So that can be, you know, very deep and I feel like it will be very deep. So I will certainly work through that. And give myself forgiveness and, yeah, pull myself up when I go to people, please, and don't, even though it'll feel weird out of my comfort zone and feel like I'm probably a bitch for saying, no, you go down and sign the papers. I'm not going to go and do that. But it'll give me power. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So Awesome. Is there anything else that I missed? I think that was a great list. (laughs) I think you got it. Yeah, that's a great place to start with. And so, yeah, let me know how it goes. Keep in touch, okay? Yeah, I will. Thank you very much. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you, Julie, for coming onto the show and for being vulnerable and for sharing your question. I really do appreciate it. And if you're listening to this episode and you want to be coached by me on an upcoming episode of the Love Life Connection podcast, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. You can scroll down to the bottom and you will see a link there where you can sign up to be on the show. You can also send me a DM on Instagram. I'm Veronica E. Grant. And if this is something you are curious in doing, I would not procrastinate on this. I am going to be doing my best to be recording all of the coaching episodes in the first quarter of 2020, which means by the end of March, I will not have any spots available to come onto the podcast until 2021, which is like crazy. That feels like it's a light years in the future, but I guess it's about a year and change in the future. So if you want to be coached by me for free, if you want to pick my brain on something going on in your love life, if you want to just try out what coaching is actually like with me to see if it would be the right next step for you, this is a perfect opportunity to do that. We can change your name because I do want to protect your privacy. And of course, we can further do that with a pseudonym or of course, we can use a first name. I never use last names anyways. So again, to sign up for a call, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast, 
or you can send me a DM on Instagram. I'm Veronica E. Grant, and I can send you a link there and we can chat about you coming onto the show. Okay, so I really like this episode because it really allowed me to just give a blueprint of what inner child work looks like. Now, a couple caveats here. Inner child work is not necessarily do this and then this and then this and then this and then boom, you're done, right? It's definitely a process. And I really do believe inner child work just becomes a new way in which you relate to yourself. So for example, if you usually now relate to yourself as kind of like an asshole, like you're not very nice to yourself, you're beating yourself up over every mistake you make or everything that you do that's not quite perfect, that's the relationship that you have with your yourself, right? And inner child work is coming at it from more of a place where you're going to be really loving and nurturing and kind to yourself where you're kind of reparenting yourself. That's another way to relate to yourself. So instead of being like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Why did I let that relationship drag on for six months or whatever it is, again, one way to relate to yourself or from an inner child's perspective or inner child work perspective, it would be I know that you felt like you needed to stay in that relationship because it was going to fill that void that was left by mom leaving. And I just want you to know that you are doing a really good job and I love you. And I just want you to know that we have new tools now. We have new resources that we can pull from to help us feel that love that we didn't get from mom and dad. Okay, so those are two different ways you can relate to yourself. And ultimately, inner child work is a way in which you can relate to yourself so that you're not an asshole to yourself. It's way easier to be emotionally connected with yourself. It's way easier to be in your own body, to be living embodied experience. And when you're like that, it's much easier than to just go about doing the things you need to do in your life, especially when it comes to dating. When you are connected with yourself, when you are in tune with your body, when you know what your intuition is saying, It is much easier to identify red flags. It is much easier to actually repel the wrong people because on an energetic level, you're just not attracting each other. It is much easier to know if someone is right for you or not. It's much easier to feel that potential connection with someone because you can ultimately only connect with someone as deeply as you're able to connect with yourself. And so that's really ultimately the goal of inner child work. It's not something like where you learn that, okay, I'm doing this thing because I'm just repeating this pattern from dad. Okay, great. I can move on with my life now. It's not that. It's not like your time's tables where you learn two times two equals four and you move on to the next, right? This becomes really a process. So that all being said, here are the general steps. Now, again, if I was working with Julie over the longer period of time or the way I work with my clients when we are together privately, I'll spend you know, again, it's going to vary widely depending on the client, the kind of awareness they've had, also the work they've done. But generally, I'll spend at least one session, if not a couple sessions on each of these steps until we get through what we need to get through. So obviously, the first step is identify where the patterns come from. So we did this a little bit with Julie today, and you have to know where the wound comes from. If you don't know where the wound comes from, then it's really hard to heal because healing is simply the application of love to the part that hurts. And so if you don't know where the hurt comes from, then it's really hard to apply love to it. Now, you don't have to have a stellar memory of your childhood. You don't have to remember every single detail. You don't have to have any of that stuff. All you need to know is at some point, your mom broke your heart or your dad broke your heart, or there was just lots of instability, which created a lot of fear and anxiety in your childhood. That may be all you need to know. And when you think about that, all you can see is this 10-year-old girl who's scared shitless, right? That's enough. And when you can identify that pattern, 
or where the pattern comes from, then you can move on to the rest of the steps. But not being able to identify the pattern or having that awareness is kind of like going to a doctor with a bunch of symptoms and they're not trying to figure out why you have the symptoms in the first place. They're just going to try to heal the symptoms. Now, a doctor is always going to try to figure out where the symptoms come from, where the pain comes from, where the thing that's not supposed to be happening is coming from so that they can try to heal the core thing that's happening, which will then get rid of the symptoms. It's the same thing when it comes to your own mind and your own inner healing. And then once you can identify where the pattern comes from, then this is the so-called inner child work. And this is when you really begin to connect with your inner child, you reparent her, you might write her some letters, you might talk out loud to her, you might visit her in a meditation, you might have some pictures of her in your space that you can be reminded to send her love. I personally have a picture of, actually, I have two pictures of myself in my meditation space because I meditate pretty much every day, unless maybe I have like a a. 5am flight or something like that. But pretty much I'm in my meditation spot for at least five minutes every single day. And so my eyes are going to see my inner child every day. And even if only I spend a breath on it, I can send that little girl love and understanding and acceptance so that she's not acting out and calling the shots, which we'll get to in just one second. And then from there, I think it's really important to practice self-forgiveness. It's really, really easy to beat ourselves up, to think that our inner child is sabotaging us or dumb or just acting like a child, or that we are so dumb for staying in that relationship for so long, or we made this dumb mistake or whatever it is. And the thing is, is that if you treat yourself like that, there is a good chance you are just repeating behaviors that a parent had towards you. So for example, let's say you had a parent that was very critical of you. Okay, you can do all the inner child work you want to in the world. But if you are still really self critical of yourself of not doing inner child work, right, or staying in that relationship or not seeing that red flag or whatever it is, then you are just kind of perpetuating the cycle because you're kind of treating yourself how your parents or one of your parents treated the child version of you, right? So self-forgiveness, self-compassion cannot be underestimated by any stretch of the imagination. You have got to do this and it's got to be part of your healing process. Otherwise, a lot of it is going to just fall flat on its face, okay? And once you can get into the space and it becomes more of a way in which you view yourself, view the world, meaning like how you relate to yourself through your inner child, then what you can do is take it really, really practical and get really, really clear on what is it that your adult self would do versus what would your inner child self do? So let's say your inner child self, like if she was the one calling the shots, she would get really anxious. She would want to be texting the person all the time. She would want to know like, okay, how do you feel about me? She would just be constantly checking her phone. Like, right. She would just maybe be playing that anxiety out, or maybe she wouldn't say how she felt or wouldn't ask for what she needed because she didn't want to rock the boat. So, you know, that's a pattern your inner child self began and you're carrying out those same patterns today. And then What does your adult self who feels empowered and aligned and all that kind of stuff, what does she do? She maybe asks for what she wants. She sets a boundary. Yeah, she wants maybe the other person to text her back, but she's also doing other things with her life. So she's not getting obsessive over it. 
whatever it is. I actually like to have my clients write out a very clear list on what would their higher self today do versus what would their triggered inner child do. And what you can do is then you can get really clear and you can ask yourself, okay, I'm feeling a little triggered. How old am I acting right now? And now you actually have a list of things that you could do if you want to go down the triggered route, or you could be nice to yourself. You could relate to yourself in that way that I talked about through the inner child and say, hey, inner child, I know it's not what you actually say, but hey, inner child, I got you. This isn't your dad's house anymore. It's not your mom's house anymore. You don't have to play by those old rules. You're safe. You're with me. I've got you. And I'm going to ask for what I need because it's ultimately what I need, or it's going to make me safe, or it's going to make me feel loved or belonged or whatever it is. And so basically what you're doing is you're pausing, you're asking yourself, how old am I acting? And then from there, you're deciding which actions you're going to take. Are you going to do the actions from your inner child column? Or are you going to do the actions from your higher self present day column? And that's really how it works. So as you can see, this is not just something that you figure out and then like, boom, you're done. It really does become a lifelong process. You know, I've been doing this work for a long time. I could be walking the dog and then just have like a really triggered thought or maybe just get really triggered in something with my husband or with a client or with a friend or whatever. And I can do this whole process and start from the beginning. Okay, where did this come from? Why am I feeling like this? Do the inner child work, do the self-forgiveness, figure out, okay, how would my inner child handle this? How would I handle this? And then how old am I acting? And then take appropriate action from there. So it really just becomes a tool to help you deal with life's challenges, so to speak. It's not about feeling good 100% of the time. It's not about never being triggered ever again in your whole entire life. It's not about never experiencing rejection or heartbreak. It's more about how you handle those things so that you can move forward in your life and not just stay stuck in a very triggered, unhealthy response. So your child's not bad. She's not out to get you. She just learned a way in which she needed to survive when ultimately she didn't have a lot of options. A 10-year-old can't decide they're just going to move out and go get a job and live on their own. They kind of got to stick with what they've got, at least until they're at least 17, 18, usually most of the time. And even then, there's still not as many options until we get much older. And that's a long time to develop some very survival-based habits and thought patterns and beliefs that we kind of need to untangle from if we want to live in this new world, this new way of being, living, and loving. And one more thing that I want to mention because it happens a lot is sometimes there might be some work around the relationship you have with your parents, either in physical form, like I will help my clients have conversations with their parents Um, Or it might be more in like a spiritual, emotional form where they'll just like write letters and do forgiveness work and all that kind of stuff. It won't actually involve a current day conversation because either the client or the parent is not available for that. And what I've noticed in this process is sometimes my clients will be like, or I'll just hear women say, well, you know, Veronica, I kind of got over it. Like, I get it. Like my parents were really busy. They were doing the best they could. Or my mom was really hurt because my dad walked out on her or whatever it is. And you just want to move straight to forgiveness or I'm over it. And there's a big, big problem with that. And the big problem is called spiritual bypassing. And what that is, is it's like, oh, it's okay. Like, I'm totally fine. Like, you know, it was a long time ago. My mom was doing the best she could. And that may all be true. But if you are still getting triggered, if you're still playing out old patterns, there's a part of you that is still wounded, that is still hurt because she's playing out this old world view. 
So forgiveness is not the first step. Forgiveness is usually the last step. And forgiveness isn't even about brushing something under the rug or just making it okay. It's really more about forgiving yourself and maybe your parent for buying into a misunderstanding, something that wasn't true. Like that's really what forgiveness is about. It is not about like, oh, it's okay. It's fine. Like I'm over it. That is all spiritually bypassing. And at some point it's going to come back to bite you either in the form of just getting into the same relationship pattern over and over again. And I get this a lot from people who say, I've gone to therapy, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and I've done inner child work, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And yet they still find themselves in the same pattern over and over again. They still can't seem to, you know, attract a new kind of partner, whatever it is. And nine times out of 10, 9.9 times out of 10, it's because they're spiritually bypassing. They're doing all the work. It looks like they're going through the motions of doing all the work, but they're not really connecting on an emotional level to themselves or to their inner child. And when you don't do that, when you're unable to do that, then you're really not going to be seeing much of a shift in your life. And that creates a lot of frustration. And honestly, I see this a lot from people who kind of consider themselves a little bit more spiritual or hippie or are really into yoga and like, oh, I do all this, like da 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 da. And it's like, cool, but like, how much are you actually doing the work and connecting to your intuition? I actually have a really hard time going to a lot of yoga classes and a lot of spiritual type classes because it happens all the time in the spiritual community. So just kind of check yourself. If you identify as being part of that community, make sure you're not spiritually bypassing. And if you are a consumer of kind of the spiritual content, spiritual community, make sure that the teacher, whether it's a yoga teacher or a coach or an author or a speaker or whoever, is also really doing their work and not spiritually bypassing. If today's conversation resonated with you and this feels like something you need, it's possible. There are spots right now available to work with me privately. Together, we can unravel your dating patterns, clear your love blocks, and get you into the relationship you desire and deserve by digging into your constitution, your childhood, and your previous relationships. Working with me privately means I can meet you where you're at and hold your hand through the process. It doesn't matter if you've never done this work or you've been doing it for years. All that matters is that you're done with where you're at and you're ready to find love in the next 12 months and are ready to invest the time and money in radically changing your life. To explore if this is the right fit for you, please visit me at veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching to learn more and schedule your introductory call with me. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Hey. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.